Welcome to the Podglomerate. For everything that you were too afraid to ask at home, too embarrassed to ask at school, or was just too hard to ask your partner, welcome to the Sex Wrap. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Sex Wrap. You're here today with Andrew. That's me, Spring. How are you today, Spring? And, and our very lovely, amazing friend Shelly is here as well. How are you feeling today, Shelly? Doing great. Awesome. Well, <laughs> thank you for coming today. Um, and today we're going to be talking about a whole bunch of questions that have been asked on the Sex Wrap over the last six years. Um, and we wanted to get an expert here to talk about it. But before we get to the topic, um, I have something that I want to share with everybody. I was just at Disney World for eight days with four nieces and two side nieces it was all girls it was all i I mean i loved it it was a little princessy um but i'm so uh, jealous right now it it was princess is my life spring loves spring loves hanging out with children i i I love it but i also love to not be with children i got (laughs) home last night at 11 o'clock i took off my clothes i got a glass of water and i just laid on the couch in silence with my dog in a book and i was so happy But when I was at Disney, I noticed that there was was a lot of really great stuff happening in terms of giving people access. Uh, so I was like walking around Disney, um, like if there were someone with a sensory disability, they didn't have to wait in line. They got like a little card and they could come back and not deal with the hotness. So they could not deal with the loud noises. Um, if somebody uh, was in a wheelchair, they didn't have to wait in line. They could go to a nice cool indoor space. And then when it was their time, they could come and get right on the ride. Um, oh, cool. Like, And I saw so many like amazing, like make a wish kind of things for all different kinds of, uh, you know, kids with different disabilities, kids with different diseases um but it was sort of like omnipresent my whole trip like every everywhere i went um and every single ride in every single space had something that made it more accessible every single hotel had a counter that was low enough that somebody who was in a wheelchair or uh like could like you know check in and sign in and I, I, for me it was this really cool look at what the world could be if people were paying better attention to what the world actually was around us um i don't know that, that was my disney experience um and it relates to our episode uh i said we have a lot of questions about it um about sex with disabilities and pleasure with disabilities um and that's why we have invited our friend Shelly here today because she is an absolute expert on this topic. Uh, And instead of me just continuing to gush, um, (laughs) welcome to the show, Shelly. Would you like to uh, introduce yourself a little bit to our listeners? Sure. Thank you so much for having me today. And so excited to be here. This is something I'm passionate about talking about. Um, I'm Shelly Bear, and I'm the Director of Leadership Training Initiatives at the Mailman Center for Child Development. And Mailman Center is a center that focuses on children, teenagers, and young adults with disabilities, chronic illnesses. And I'm in the training division, so I run all our pipeline leadership and advocacy programs for teenagers with disabilities and adults with disabilities and professionals that want to create systems-level change for people with disabilities. I'm also a clinical social worker. I have a master's in social work. And I'm licensed, so I'm an LCSW. And I also, one of my other titles is I'm the director and co-founder of the Bold Beauty Project, which is a photography show that showcases the beauty, sensuality, and empowerment of women with disabilities. And I was one of the models. 
So that's it in a nutshell. (laughs) And we'll be putting links to the Bold Beauty Project in both the show notes. And when you check out our Instagram posts, uh, you'll see lots of links directly to it. And if we can get permission from Shelly, maybe we'll highlight a couple of the specific posts and and get them right up in there. all right. Well, well, thank you so much for being here with uh, us today, Shelly. Uh, and part of the reason that we invited Shelly, not only because she has expertise, um, but because she, like she said, she was a model for this bold for her bold beauty project. Um, but we want to make sure that we're amplifying amplifying um, voices, right? Voices that aren't often heard. Um, so thank you again for agreeing to be here with us today. Um, but I think before we can even get into the episode, into the questions, there's some like real ground level work that we need to do. And Spring and I were talking about it uh, when we were doing planning for this years ago. Um, so <laughs> for years ago, literally, and, and we want we want to talk to you about the term surrounding uh, disability um, and, and what should we use. And if we're talking to other people or if we're even sharing our own experiences, like, like what should that look like? And what should it not look like? <laughs> not look yeah, like. yeah, I think that's really important. So I also have a disability. So that's um, I have my lived experience of having a mobility, a physical disability. And I have got arthritis when I was three years old. So it is visible. So I walk with a limp and I have deformities of my hands and I use a wheelchair for long distances, an electric scooter. So you can see by looking at me that there is something going on with my body. Um, so I'm in the, in the work I, and I have, I have a disability too. Um, and I think when you're talking about the terminology, disability is, is the preferred terminology these days. It's evolved over, you know, years and years and years, moving away from handicap to now uh, disability. One um, terminology that we people with disabilities do not like is special needs. Um, stay away from from the, that terminology. Another, for the most part, people don't like like differently abled or physically challenged. Um, but what is most important is that you ask the person because uh, some people with disabilities don't like, don't like disability. I work with a a man with down syndrome who doesn't think he has a disability. He knows he has down syndrome, right? But he doesn't categorize himself as having a disability and people in the autism community, um, don't sometimes don't think of themselves either. They're neurodiverse, you know, and even like deaf, the deaf community, there's a subculture um, and some people are, are deaf and proud. And they don't think they have a disability either. So the best thing to do is ask, ask that the person how they identify. I love that. I mean, I think that aligns with things that we talk about on this show all the time. And I'm so glad to hear you say that to, you know, have a conversation with somebody and ask them how they identify. And um, thank you. Thank you for starting off with that. And, oh, cool. Um, cool. Thanks. <laughs> I would love to hear from you about kind of your personal mission and what you're trying to do in this field of sex and disabilities. Thanks um, so much for asking. Spring, I I'm really um, passionate about this because there are still so many myths and stereotypes and beliefs that people with disabilities, uh, young adults, do not have sex. 
are not sexual, sensual beings, uh, don't get married, don't have children. So I really want to break up the stereotypes and myths around that. And the work that I get to do at the Melman Center, being part of the University of Miami, I teach um, medical students, physicians, graduate students, and I share my story of growing up with a disability and how to bring that into the conversation. When the, when a doctor is working with you, I, I never got any questions about sexuality and sexual health when I was a teenager. And that was neglected. It was kind of strange, you know, I'm still, I'm still having, going through puberty. I got my period late, um, but it doesn't matter. I, I still have the same needs, desires as, and wants as other teenagers. So bring that into the conversation. So that's kind of what really irks me that people still feel that it's not okay to talk about it. And it's so important to bring in sexual health as well um, when you're, especially like from, from the medical side of when you're working with kids or teenagers who have a disability. Uh, don't forget that. And, and even, you know, kids with intellectual disabilities, they're still sexual beings as well. It may take them kind of longer to understand, but it's still important to discuss it and bring it up because their body is going to be going through the same changes. I mean, this is really passionate about, and that's partly why we created the Bold Beauty Project to break up stereotypes and myths around seeing women, disabled women as beautiful, sensual beings and having role models. I didn't have any role models, you know, growing up and seeing women that looked like me that got married, you know, that had children that dated, you know, that were out there dating in the world. I'm the only one in my family with a disability. So I'm the oldest of three. I have three, two siblings. So that's important. That's really, really important. I, I mean, and I love that you're talking about your mission of like breaking down stereotypes and myths. And a lot of times those stereotypes and myths come because like we just don't have exposure to people with disabilities. Like uh, the way that I describe it is like they live in the same world, but sort of shifted away or in a parallel world where we don't have a lot of interactions with people with any of the different kinds of disabilities. Or if we do, they're hidden from us in the interactions that we do have with somebody. Um, And it's so important to have conversations about sex and sexuality our whole lives. Um, Everybody is a sexual being. Every single human being is a sexual, there are asexual people as well. We love you. You are part of this conversation, but we need to be paying attention to sexual needs of everybody across their entire lifespan. Just because someone looks different or sounds different or processes information differently doesn't mean that they're not sexual. Um, and that, and that's why we're here today. We're going to be talking about like, what are the, what do we actually do in these situations? Um, and and I, I love your mission. It is so important. Um, but we do need to take a short break. Um, when we'll, when, we're, when, when we come back, we'll continue talking um, with Shelly Bear about sex with disabilities. Thank you, everybody. We'll be right back.
All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to us today here at The Sex Wrap. We're answering your questions about sex, about relationships, about sexual health, about pretty much anything. If you send or call or DM us your question, we'd love to chat with you about it. Um, and today we're talking about sex and pleasure with disabilities. Uh, we're here with uh, Shelly Bear, an expert in the field. Um, and we were just talking about what her mission is. Um, but I think before we go forward, we'd like to hear a little bit more about your story. Shelly, if you're willing to share. Sure. I was a, a late bloomer <laughs> in life. Um, I was very insecure about my body because of my obvious disability. And I was shy and quiet and I never dated th all through high school or even college. I was really sh um, scared that Nobody would accept me. Um, no, no guy would ever want to go out with me or find me attractive because of my disability. So I found a good therapist, you know, finally, you know, in, in between college and grad school, I went to, for my, for my social work degree, I, I did find a good therapist that helped, helped me break up my insecurities and my fears around dating. And, um, and that first, you know, man that didn't reject me and a little bit of liquid courage <laughs> um, kind of broke me out of my shell. When you think <laughs> about dating, it's hard for all of us, right? It's hard to date and open yourself up to relationships for, any, for all of us. You know, so many of my, my friends are still single and they don't have a disability. Um, but when you add a disability into the, the mix, especially a visible disability like mine, it's a little more challenging. Um, so it took me some time, but I did, you know, break out of my shell and made up for lost time <laughs> in my 30s <laughs> and 40s and like 20s. And then I did get married and I, I got divorced four years ago. So that's another thing. I it, when I share my story, I always they said, "Oh, should should I talk about my divorce?" And some of my friends, colleagues said, "Yes, people have to know that people with disabilities get divorced as well, <laughs> get married and divorced." So it you know it was definitely a journey, and even when I would see physicians, I. Nobody ever asked me. And I, I had a lot of fears that I couldn't have sex because of my joint limitations. I have um, hip replacements and knee replacements. And I wasn't sure I could do it. And so that's why it's important for doctors to talk about it with you. And I obviously can do it. Um, but I think, I don't know, I kind of feel like I'm rambling. Is that kind of what you wanted? Like my... <laughs> My journey into yeah. Yeah, yeah, dating yeah. and sexuality and my story, my personal story. A hundred percent, yes. Uh, there's an ongoing joke that Spring doesn't like on the show that I say dump them pretty frequently. Um, <laughs> like, I think divorce and breakups are important and great. And we actually have episodes teaching you how to dump people. So if you're interested, uh, you can <laughs> see what that's like. Um, no, I, I mean, that's like, that's a beautiful story, though. And I love that you're talking about all of the other pieces that that sort of help b get you to the point where you are today. And I Thank think you. that it's also 
so um, nice to hear points where we can all relate and connect. And, you know, as you're talking about, you know, being um, like hesitant to date and feeling insecure in your body, I think so many of us can relate to that feeling. And, you know, I have a history of an eating disorder and I felt those things so strongly, you know, when I was thinking about dating and having sex with people. And so I love these points of connection that we can um, all identify with and, and bring us together a little bit more. Oh, thank you. And you know what I was thinking too, when sometimes when I, when I get talk about this, I, you know, so some men couldn't handle my disability and but I I think um it's so easy to blame the disability that I'm rejected because of that and that's not always true so it's easy like to fall into that victim mentality um especially when you have like a visible disability that I worked, you know, I worked through this with, with, ther- with a therapist too, like feeling sorry for myself, like, oh, I'm so hard, so hard out there. Nobody, you know, it's so easy to make, it could be because I have green eyes, you know, or they don't, <laughs> like my political views, you know, you never know is like they don't call you back. Um, <laughs> but sometimes, you know, obviously when I more go on more than one date, I've, I've had some experiences where and only a handful that just said they didn't think they could handle it, you know, long-term. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, well, I, I mean, I want to stay positive, but I, I, I'm dating. I, I, I'm trying not to go on a tangent. Um, I mean, dating is the worst, no matter what. Oh. <laughs> Yeah, being vulnerable with other people, like putting down your barriers, the worst. I haven't done it it for a long time. It is really hard to um, feel like someone's judging every aspect of you. And, And that's the way we kind of perceive it, even though hopefully that's not what people are doing, but we, we interpret it that way sometimes, right? Like, Oh, this, this part isn't good enough for them or this part isn't good enough for them. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, it's really hard to, to be in a space like that because it, it makes us feel insecure and judged and, and less than. And so, yeah, I think dating overall is a minefield. (laughs) Well, if you do hard. have those, if you do have those negative feelings, you should find a therapist who can help you through that. Um, we have our go-to sex therapist who uh, stars on our show uh, pretty frequently. Um, so Cindy Darnell will we'll drop her information down in the show notes as well, and we can connect you to somebody who specializes on helping you get through some of those internal barriers that you put up yourself and learn how to deal with rejection and I, I mean I think that's the scary part of dating for a lot of people is like how mm-hmm. do I handle if I like you but you don't like me back mm-hmm. um, yeah and that starts a little bit later sometimes for uh, people so uh, I think like you know gender and sexual minorities and probably a lot of people with uh, disabilities don't date until much later um, yeah. I, I so like a lot of you know cishet people probably start dating in elementary or middle school and they learn about rejection then yeah. um, 
you know, there's all those silly memes and tropes about depressed teenagers, like heartbreak. Uh, they like Twilight or they did. I'm, I'm aging myself. Anyway, um, they liked Twilight. Uh, but I think there's, you know, if you don't do that in like high school, all of a sudden you're supposed to be an adult, you know, right. it working. How are you it, learning to deal with rejection as a 25 year old is a lot different than learning as a 14 year old. That's a good point. That's a good point. All right. Well, we do need to take another short break. When we get back, we're going to be talking about some of the listener submitted questions. Um, so thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Sex Rep, everybody, where we answer your questions about sex, about romance, about love. We, we should talk about love more. I'd love to like pan love for a couple episodes, maybe in February, just talk about how all... No, just kidding. All right. So today we're talking about sex and disabilities and... Um, the questions that we've had come in over the last six years of the show fall into two pretty similar sorts of questions. So, Shelly, you ready for me to unload like the big questions? All right. Yes. I'm interested in either dating or having sex with somebody with a disability. I don't have one. What do I do? I think... Um... Don't be afraid to reach out to somebody with a disability. They most likely want to date you too. <laughs> they most likely are interested. And I, I think that's one of the stereotypes that people don't know how to approach or what to say or think they may not be able to, you know, have sex. And that's not true. So I think it, it be open-minded to open yourself up to being with somebody with a disability. Um, it'll, it'll rock your world. It'll change your world. Um, because um, especially if you go with somebody, meet somebody who has a physical disability, uh, you'll have to talk, have good communication around how to have sex. Communication you know, when you get into the logistics. <laughs> Communication, we joke, is the answer to every single question on our podcast. So I love I love that you said that you've already brought up a couple of times. Well, ask them. Well, talk to them. Uh, it just reinforces communication is the answer. <laughs> exactly. Would you approach um, people with different types of disabilities in different ways? Like you've talked a little bit about... Um, different types of disabilities, whether they're mobility, sensory, intellectual, developmental, chronic illness. How would you approach people with different types of disabilities? Is there a difference? Hmm. Not, I'm not sure there's a difference. I mean, it would just kind of like the same way you get to meet anybody else. Like if you're, you know, vibing, you're connecting, like you have things in common, like you're intrigued um about their personality and you're cur curious so it would be the same way you would approach anybody yeah i don't think there's a special kind of way um just be direct <laughs> i want to go out or want to go get a drink or just you know that's the thing is just to take that that first step 
like be have take that first step. And Midas, I, I maybe like for people who have autism who may interact differently. You know, there may be I can't really speak to that because I don't have autism, but you know what I mean. They may their communication style could be a little different. Um, so, but I don't know if there's any like right way. You know, just get to know somebody. However, you do it, like hanging out. So it's that first step of dating, being brave, and being able or willing to ask some of those questions as well.、Um, I think it's really important to tell people that these questions are awkward without disabilities. They're awkward with disability. Like the questions surrounding sex and intimacy, there's always a certain level of discomfort surrounding them, and that discomfort isn't bad, right? That discomfort is part of being vulnerable and sharing.、Um, So being like open to that kind of discomfort, but、um, I, I, I'm interested in your take on like how the questions should come, what the questions should look like, how like you know like you can be bold, you can be courageous, but like there's a certain level of sensitivity, and, and what does that look like inside of these conversations? So that's interesting. I think it, I think. You go by how the the signals that you're receiving from the person with a disability, and obviously, the the person with the disability will have to share too. You know, when you're if you're getting to that stage that you really like each other and there's really a connection,、um, to bring it up, you know, the logistics of You know how are you going to do it? <laughs>、um, especially if they have more of a physical, you know, disability like me, or somebody who's a quadriplegic or a paraplegic. I have some friends who are, you know, spinal cord injury, and one is a woman, and she said in bars she gets asked the question all the time, "Can you have sex?" And can you imagine you're in a bar and that's the first question somebody's hitting on her asks her? It's so rude. Of course she can have sex. <clears throat> It would just have to be done a little differently.、Um, I never got that per se from me. <clears throat> I was asked, "Can you have children?" You know, when I was out there dating.、Um, but it is just you have to be creative. Is is to how you figure it out, and like you already you all already said that the communication piece is key. You know to talk about it with yeah each other. So what if we asked something like,、um, "Can you tell me about your disability? Can you tell me about how it impacts your dating and sex life?" Like, would those Do you think be nice open questions? Yes, I think those would be okay.、Um, I welcome that actually because it shows that they're interested, and you know, get that out of the way right away.、Um, you know, talk about it, and people with disabilities are comfortable. You know, talk, you know, I'm talking about my my experience, but. And what I've heard from friends that, yeah, they're we're cool. We we want to 
just get that out, out of the way. You know, like, you know, some of the, the Woody Allen movie, I, I know I'm dating myself too, where they, ki- they kiss and then they can move on with the date. Uh, I think it was Annie <laughs> Hall. But anyway, like, just get get it, talk about it. But I, I think, like, string what you said, like, just, can you tell me more about it, your disability, how it impacts, what you know, whatever, your life? Yeah, and sexuality and dating is part of our lives, too. I think that's, though, that's great. Like, I like that. If somebody's asked me before I, I, I share what it is, usually I will share when I first meet somebody new because it's so obvious, you know, it's like the elephant in the room. But then you have people that have invisible disabilities, mm-hmm. which is when do they disclose, right? When do they disclose that, you know, maybe they have autism or they have a chronic illness or, or mental illness, you know what I mean? So that's tricky to figure that out too, that part of it too, or mine is just right there. You know, people, spinal cord injuries, you see it, but that's, that's another issue is when you disclose if you have an invisible disability. And that, that kind of takes us to the other half of the questions that we've been getting. Um, And the, the other questions are like, we have listeners who would say, I have this disability, whatever it is. And sometimes their movement audio, like every possible one mm-hmm. over the last six years we received. And then along with it comes the, like the, the, the hashtag shame, nervous, stigma, shy, mm-hmm. afraid. Um, but all of them want to have sex. All of them want to <laughs> bang. All of them, like they, they all want intimacy in, in lots of different ways. Um, but they don't know how to get there uh, because they have a lot of those fears. So what can we do or what recommendations can we make to help people with various disabilities get to that point where they're experiencing sex and experiencing pleasure and experiencing intimacy? So what's, what does that look like or what would you recommend there? Like that is, that's a, it's challenging. I mean, it's, it's so important and it's, it's like you, you you have to take a risk too, right? You have to put yourself out there. You, it's important to be open to meeting people, um, you know, and do what you can to meet people, you know, wherever you are in school or working, um, turn your cab light on <laughs> and like that I'm ready. Like I'm open to dating but it is, I know it is challenging because there are insecurities and, and fears and the fear of being rejected. And I think that just is going to happen. But we always say like next, you know, um, <laughs> they weren't the right one. Mm-hmm. And I always say that too. Like I, how we did have so many insecurities and fears. And sometimes I stayed longer with somebody because I was so afraid I'm not going to find anybody else. So it was called settling, you know, and I don't recommend that, you know, that, so just better to, to kind of be alone 
until you find the right person. Um, but it's hard to be alone too, but fill your life with your friends and your family and but just be open-minded. But I think a lot of people with disabilities get put in like the friend zone <laughs> um, because people don't like see them as a potential partner. Um, but then they're not the right one for you either. And there will be somebody that's the right one for you. It may just take a little harder to find them. And there's a lot of websites and dating apps and ways to meet people now too that have changed since I was dating um, before my divorce, right? So I think there are places like as far as like dating for people with disabilities too. And the other thing is it's sometimes I've, I was getting advice like to date somebody that had my same disability um, and I met, you know, in my twenties and thirties, I met people through the arthritis foundation because you know, kids grow up, we were kind of in the same circle and I didn't ever click with anybody, um, with it, with my same disability. Well, actually my ex-husband had my same disability, but that's a whole other story. But I like, I never before him never had dated somebody with a disability ever. I, w- I dated a quadriplegic guy a few times and a blind man. But just because you have a disability doesn't mean you want to date somebody with your same disability. So, but if you do that, that's fine. It just depends on you. Um, but that's like another stereotype or myth too. Like I would get fixed up with men with disabilities. Like, why are you fixing me up with somebody with, you know, it doesn't, I don't know. It just doesn't make sense sometimes. Shelly, that happened to me my whole life. Like I know this yes. one gay person. You should date this person. I know because they have, they are also gay. Just because, just because they're <laughs> like, like, Oh, what do I have in common with this person? What do I like? Do they like, like right. we, we are opposites. They like sport ball <laughs> right. and Republicans. I am not in either of those camps this is a horrible match yeah like like dating's a lot more than that uh, you bring up so many lovely topics that i want a tangent on we have abs we, we have an episode where we where we review ariana grande's anthem thank you next um really? learn an important lesson and move on oh yeah like um, <laughs> we have a website we have a, oh, we have an episode where we talk about like how to make a good dating profile all oh, of those good. rules apply for everybody regardless of your yeah. ability or disability status like it, it just like how do you put yourself out there in that way um and i also want to say like you know if you are really insecure like if you if you have issues if you don't think that you can do it talk to a therapist yes. and if you have a doctor a doctor who does not talk to you about your sex if you have a disability and you have a doctor yeah. who's not there with you in it if, if they refuse get a new doctor ask to see a new doctor and probably report that doctor to the ethics board of, of that hospital because they need some training um and we know who we can send them to now all right <laughs> and you know people with disabilities especially those with and have an intellectual disability they have higher rates of like domestic violence and sexual exploitation um, because nobody really taught them. Yeah, this 
these conversations about, um, you know, doctors and people ignoring people with disabilities, sexuality, it reminds me, I had a PhD student that I worked with in Australia and she was an osteotherapist and she had um, been working with a lot of clients and she developed a lot of trust with them. And then they would like sneak her off into another room and be like, Hey, I also want to have sex. Like nobody has talked to me about how I can return to sexual activity after having some type of physical, um, maybe something that would be chronic or maybe something that was temporary, or maybe they're just like um, relearning to use some part of their body. And she, she, kept having this experience where people were saying, no one has talked to me about this. What am I supposed to do? And so she then did her PhD investigating this, like, okay, <laughs> what are people supposed to do? Mm-hmm. And, um, and she did a lot of interviews with people learning about all the different types of strategies people use to have sex when they had different types of physical disabilities mm-hmm. and like, what were the tools and what were the like um, actual like, pillows or swings Mm -hmm. or chairs or like all these different things that they were using to actually improve their um, physical capacity Mm -hmm. to have the types of sexual behaviors and interactions they wanted to have. And, um, and I think, you know, I think that's something that's really important to talk about too, is like all of these different things that can help us have the types of sex we want to have with people. And like that, that to me is really exciting too. Like, do you have any, um, any of those types of like, uh, ideas about like, what are, what are things that could actually help people that, um, that might want to have some type of sex that they think they can't have? There are so many tools now and gadgets now and technology now that can help you have sex if you are paraplegic quadriplegic you know there's like so many um things and i when i was dating a man who was a paraplegic i he told me because i was curious i asked him how are we going to do it because i don't have use of good use of my arms and he can't like lift me up so he said there's this chair that he can get on and he would get him on top of me or something. And so he was educating me because he had, you know, uh, 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 being a paraplegic. And I was like, ah, it's too hard, much work. I didn't like him for other reasons. <laughs> like, you know, we both had our own limitations, right? But he was kind of a player. <laughs> he was like a nice guy. He was actually a doctor, a rehab medicine doctor. I was fixed up with him. He's a nice guy, but we, when we were, you know, moving, getting further to know each other, I'm like, nah, too much work. And I'm not like that into him, but he <laughs> educated me like these cool gadgets. Like I forgot mm-hmm. what yeah. the name of it, um, but there was something that I would like lift him on top of me. Uh, it was so cool. It was like interesting, but there's, like you said, like, um, like pillows and, I, with my ex-husband, we got some kind of pillow thing too. I, yeah. So to make it easier, um, I always think of it like, like have fun with it. Like I, 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 you're going to be creative together. 
you're going to try to figure this out together. Um, I, I say I come with instructions <laughs> with arthritis. Like they actually did have like a pamphlet through the arthritis foundation, how to have sex with arthritis. And they give you all these positions and I still have it. I saved it. So when I was out there dating and we're getting that to that point, I'm like, yeah, I made it fun. I made like kind of a joke, you know, I come with instructions. Let's look at this pamphlet together. But just like be have fun with it. That sounds like amazing and freeing. And that attitude, like, let's have fun. Like, let's just experiment and yeah. play. Um, and then if we really look at it, I think there's a lot of other people who don't necessarily have the kind of disabilities that we've been talking about today who would benefit from this exact like line of inquiry and conversation. Um, like if somebody has really bad back pain or someone has some kind of like postpartum issue or so, like there's just a million other situations where our bodies don't feel the, either the way they're used to or pleasure doesn't happen the way it used to. Um, there are so, so many technologies out there that can help, um, whether it's something really small like a vibrator or a dildo or some kind of device that can help lift or push or prod or yeah. move or stretch or whatever whatever yeah. you and your partner's bodies need to make, make intimacy happen in a way that you're comfortable and feels good for you. That's exactly it, Andrew. And quadriplegics and paraplegics, you know, even though they're they don't feel anything from the waist down or depending, you know, where their injury occurred, they still have orgasms. They just have it somewhere else on their body to, to feel it, you know, to feel the sensation. Yeah. yeah. I think all of this is leading us right into this uh, last big topic we want to talk about, which is pleasure and disability. And yeah. you told us that that's one of your main passions is like really talking about that. So let's dive in there. Tell me, tell me what you want to tell us <laughs> about pleasure and disability. I think it helps with pain. <laughs> mm. Like that is proven. Um, my mom gave me a sign when I was in high school that said sex cures arthritis, <laughs> like that to hung, hang on my door. I It wasn't a lived <laughs> experience, right? Because I was even talking to, to guy, boys. Um, but I, yeah, it didn't match with what I was going through in my life. You know, she meant well. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think it's, it's so important um, to not neglect that side of ourselves, you know, our sexual side and um, feeling pleasure. And um, if we're alone, you know, masturbating or, you know, that's all that's good. I mean, because it really does help, you know, with the pain. I, I think it really does. Um, so I think it's really important. And find what works like the gadgets that will help mm. you like mm. my arms are short so you know i i've found what works for me you know my hands are small but you can find anything these days like practice yeah <laughs> and i think it's important to say that it every almost every human body is capable of feeling pleasure and almost every human body is capable of feeling sexual pleasure and if you have a disability of any kind, 
your intimate relationships with other people should be about feeling good and feeling comfortable and finding mm-hmm. the person, the space, the gadget, the lube, the technology yeah. that gets you to that space where where there is pleasure, right? And that pleasure does exist. I am so jealous of your mom right now, Shelly. Like <laughs> my, my parents in a million years would never have hung anything on my door related <laughs> to say, like it, it ne- never, ever, ever, ever. Um, but it's such a good message to have yeah. out there. Like sex is positive, sex is healthy, yeah. sex is connection, sex and pleasure can help get rid of yeah. pain. Lots of different kinds of pain, not only physical pain, but emotional pain, like Mm, sex can really pleasure can help. And and too, like not just intercourse. So like even like hugging, you know, and the, the, the power of touch. Right. So that is important too, when you're thinking of pleasure and, you know, finding what works for you, uh, your, your, your points, you know, what, what, turns you on is important too, you know, to find, to find that. And I think we've all been, since the pandemic, we've all kind of been so hunger for connection and touching again. Right. So I think it's crucial to our well-being, our health and well-being, mental health and health, finding whatever, your what your, your pleasure points are. Uh, I think pleasure is a great way for us to sort of roll out the end of our episode today. Like end on that high note. Um, I want to I want to say we weren't talking about orgasm, right? Like we were separating out orgasm from ple- like ho- if you want orgasms, go for orgasms. But you don't need to make it orgasm focused. You make it that pleasure, that good yes. body experience. Um, so. Uh, at the end of our episode, we normally have a, a section where if you have a final word, just one more tip, like one final message that you want to send home with our listeners, what would it be? I think just don't don't be afraid of, of reaching out to somebody that looks different than you, that walks different or talks different. And, you know, be or has a disability, a, a invisible, a visible disability, like really be open-minded to getting to know them and dating them or, or being with them intimately. I think you'll, it will open up your eyes and like, you know, we're talking about diversity so much and, you know, expanding our horizons and people with disabilities are often left out of the conversation but they're often more left out when it comes to sexuality and, and dating. And so I, I think really be open-minded to being okay with, with going out with somebody with disability or having friends with disabilities. And just don't forget to bring it up and that people with disabilities have the same needs, wants, desires, hopes as everybody else. We're just like everybody else. Well, that was lovely. That was beautiful. A great, great end to a really great episode. And um, we both really want to thank you, Shelley, for for coming on and for being intimate with us and being really vulnerable with us. Like, I think this whole episode was you really modeling and practicing what 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 the whole episode is like this was the oh. episode and, and, and the, the skills that we need to work on um, for 
for people with disabilities, but for people without as well. I think all yeah. of the messages and all the things that we were talking about today uh, are important for everybody. Um, and thank you for being open-minded with us and being open and, and sharing your story. You're welcome. And listeners, thank you for being with us as well. Uh, if you have any follow-up questions about this episode or any other questions about sex or relationships or sexual health, we would love to hear from you. Um, you can call us at uh, 413-I-RAP-IT. Uh, you can send us an email. We are the sexwrap at gmail.com. That's rap with the W, like wrap it up. Um, and you can DM us on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. Uh, definitely go check out our social media. Um, we'll be posting links to all of Shelly's projects. Uh, and we'd love to hear from you, uh, all of your questions. Can I just say one more thing? I of just want to just want to say I'm grateful that you invited me here today because you're actually modeling this this hidden topic you know it's it's not a taboo topic in in the disability community but sometimes it feels like it is that nobody's really dialoguing about it so i just i'm grateful to you that you're bringing this in into your your audience into your podcast so thank you so much for doing this andra and spring andrew and spring really really appreciate it thank you so much for everything that you were too afraid to ask at home too embarrassed to ask at school or just too music for this episode provided by the ever elusive and mysterious breakmaster cylinder the podglomerate a sonic universe